Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 44, entitled, And in the Body Experience, Part 5. Hello and welcome back to our midweek study. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the chapter of the gifts. We've been looking at spiritual gifts, I've titled this uh, part of our study, and in the body, speaking of the body of Christ, and in the body experience, and this is now our fifth time to be considering uh, that large, broad topic. Let's, let's begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 1 through about 10. We're going to read those together after we pray here in just a second. So find your spot in the Bible, and then uh, let's get ready to pray. Heavenly Father, we just submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit. He's the one who guides us. He's the one who gifts us. He's the one who empowers us. He's the one who brings us to you and holds us. Uh, he's the one uh, that turns us into something that we can't otherwise be. The fullness of your presence in, the, in your own spirit, God, we submit ourselves to him, to his uh, teaching, to his leading us into all truth, and trusting him uh, to do that. Lord, uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 1 through 10, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, this is the topic of the chapter, actually the topic of the next chapter and a half, really, uh, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by dumb idols, however you were led. And you were, these are not, um, uh, what's the word, uh, without power. Uh, these are not impotent idols. They're actually huge spiritual forces behind them, don't, don't think. Uh, that it's anything other than that. So you were led astray by real, real power, demonic power, but nonetheless. Therefore I make known to you, I'm speaking of the spirits here, discerning the spirits. No one speaking of the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, that's where our focus needs to be, not on the gifts, but on the Spirit who gives them, as He so wills. Remember what gift means. It's, it's a uh, they're, they're called charisma gifts. They're, they're grace gifts. So it says that you have a gift says nothing about you. It says everything about the Holy Spirit. It, it says your obligation. We, we tend to see gifts very differently in the world. In the world, we say, oh, someone has, let's say, a gifted voice or a gifted musician. That's, they take full credit for that. They make all the money. Uh, their names are in lights because of their quote-unquote giftedness. The giftedness in the church doesn't benefit you. It benefits the church. It's not for you. It's for them. Your gift is your job, actually. It's the debt that you owe to the congregation, to the body of Christ. It's not directly beneficial to you. So, so again, the focus is not on you. Focus those on the Spirit who has given you a job with a gift, by giving you that gift. So there are varieties of spirits, I'm sorry, of gifts, but of the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of, of effects, but the same God who works all things. So it's not just these gifts, but a plethora of ways that they're expressed within the body of Christ. Uh, depending upon every individual have a different expression, even though you may have 10 people with the same gift, they'll, they're going to express that gift differently every single time. Different effects, different, different capacities, uh, different ministries under those same gifts. 
To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not for you. It's for us. You have a gift that is for us. I have a gift that is for all of you. Each one has a gift for the common good, as it says there. For no one is given the word of the wisdom. For the one is given the word. Here's the starting of the list, if you will, of these spiritual gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the, no, the word of knowledge, uh, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, ver- various kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So it's not for us to decide. Not one of us can take credit for, nor do we even ask for the gifts, because they come through the Spirit, ultimately. So we're continuing, like I said, in our topic of spiritual gifts and how God has gifted His body for the service of His ministry. We saw several places in the Scriptures, not only is the church referred to as a body, church is also referred to as a building. And I want us to consider that, that topic uh, today, because, or that position on, this, on, on the body of Christ, thinking of it as a building, as the location where God lives. Uh, and of course, when, when we're speaking of a building, we're not talking about brick and mortar. There's such confusion. I know any more people talk about the church, and they're talking, they think about someplace with a steeple and stained glass. That is not the church. That's where the church meets. They don't confuse those. The church... Is, the, is physical people in whom God dwells. The church goes home every day after Sunday, after ch- Sunday church. We have several words that we use and uh, the difficulty of our language in explaining that. So, so what, what I have in mind when I'm talking about the building, I'm not talking about the physical building, I, I want us to talk about neither does the Scriptures. What I have in mind, or what the Scripture has in mind, and think about it as, uh, but I want us to think about this physical building as an illustration of what the building of the body of Christ is. So, so, so think, let's think about this building, for instance. What is this building? When, when you look at this room, of course, I think all you're able to see is what's behind me here, maybe a little part of the ceiling on the floor. Uh, but I want you to think about it, or maybe, maybe it's better for you to look at the building or the house where you are, wherever you're listening right now. What do you see? Well, it's brick and mortar, right? But you don't see brick and mortar. Actually, this, this place is mainly uh, cement and uh, wood and uh, sheetrock. But you don't see those things. You don't see those. 95% of what makes up this building is cement, sheetrock, and, and wood. What do you see, though? You see paint, right? I mean, you may know, you know enough to know that there's cement behind these walls or sheetrock or, and, and wood uh, structure here. You, you, you may know enough about construction to know that there is no such thing as paint just hanging out here in the thin air, carpet just resting on nothing. Now, there's cement underneath. There's wood behind all these things. There's sheetrock behind all these things, but we don't see those things. What we see is the furnishings, right? The the, the carpet, the, 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 the pews, uh, the, the paint, the, the stained glass. These are the things that we see, but actually those things, the furnishings, make up a very small percentage of what goes into a building. 95 or more percent of the building is actually cement, sheetrock, wood. We don't see those things, though. This is very instructive because it's going to help us in understanding 
what, what understand God's building, the church as it relates to our giftedness. And last week, I spoke to you about the whole, the more obvious upfront gifts as they're listed in the scriptures, the speaking gifts, the, 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 the word of knowledge, as we say, the word of wisdom, teaching, evangelism, prophecy, tongues, exhortation. And I like to think of those as um, the paint and furnishing gifts of God's building. They're the stuff that you see. But they don't stand alone. The vast majority of the giftedness of the body of Christ is not stuff that you see. Just as much as this physical building, the vast majority of what holds it up is not the stuff that you see, the cement, the wood, the, the, the sheetrock. No, it's the paint that you see. It's the carpet that you see. It's the furnishings. It's the windows that you see. But these actually make up a very small percentage of what actually is uh, in this building is very instructive. Now, not to say that these, these uh, upfront gifts, these obvious upfront gifts are not the point of the Spirit, because they most definitely are. I mean, here's the commissioning that Jesus has for us in Matthew chapter 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That's, that's the paint and furnishings, right? It's not the structure necessarily, but it's the paint. It's, it's the end result. I mean, why do we create a building? Do we create a building so we can look at cement and wood and sheetrock? No. We cover those things. The, the, the building, the, the superstructure, is there to support the paint and the carpet and the furnishings. Make sense? You can't have paint and carpet and furnishings all by itself. You have to have wood and cement and uh, 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 sheetrock, and, and you have to have those things, but then you cover those with the stuff that you want to see. Likewise, Jesus has called us uh, the point of the sphere of the work of the church is, is these seemingly few gifts, the baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So, so even though it seems to say there's only a few gifts, actually there's very many. It takes very many gifts to support these, the tip of the sphere, if you will, of the ministry and the commission that Jesus has for us. Just as much as literal pain and furnishings don't hold up a physical building, so these upfront gifts, these visible gifts, don't hold up the church. It takes many, many gifts to do that. These gifts, these superstructure gifts, is what I want to spend a couple of Sundays, or a couple, I'm sorry, this is a Wednesday for me, midweek, a couple of Wednesdays uh, talking to you about it, quite literally hold everything up. They are the cement and the wood and the sheetrock of God's building. And we saw last time, uh, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are broken down into two large categories, and I'll repeat it up here for you. First Peter chapter 4, or I should say it's right here, chapter 4, verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. It's just the broad terms. What, what are the speaking gifts? Like I said, we went over them last time. Maybe if you weren't here with us last time, you need to pause and go over that one, because this one is the one we're doing today is built on, uh, where I'm assuming, some things from the last week's study. So whoever speaks is to speak as, as those speaking the actual words of God, whoever serves. So, so there aren't just two gifts, but there's two broad categories of gifts. You have speaking gifts and service gifts. Whoever serves to do so is one who is serving by the strength with God's, God's supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. Two broad categories under, underneath which, as we're going to see, all the gifts fall into. Either they are speaking gifts, if you will, upfront gifts, teaching and making disciples, or they're the service gifts that support 
the upfront gifts, the, the teaching gifts, the, the disciple-making gifts, if you will. And so we talked about the teaching and upfront gifts last time, and this time we're going to be, the next couple of times, we're going to be looking at these support gifts, these superstructure gifts. We can learn a lot about those gifts, those superstructure, those, those service gifts, by, again, just observing our building. We've already gone over, over these briefly, but I want to go over them more thoroughly. Number one, we can know about these gifts. They are unseen or not readily seen gifts. Anybody that doesn't know much about building things doesn't know to immediately expect, oh, there's cement behind that wall. There's studs behind that, and behind that paint and texture, behind that uh, uh, furnishings and trim, there's sheetrock. If you've never built a building or been a part or really understand how stuff is built, you don't really know that, but it doesn't change anything. Those things have to be there, or we can't have paint. We can't have furnishings. We can't have carpet. But those things make up the vast majority of the building. If we're going to put them in a, at a set of scales, they do. You think about, let's think about it another way. Again, mixing our metaphors because the New Testament does the same thing. Think about our bodies, for instance. What's the most recognizable parts? It has to do with, it's all on our head. I mean, there's no uh, elbow recognition or foot recognition device, but there is facial recognition. My phone recognizes, my, it doesn't ask to recognize my elbow or my foot. The most recognizable parts of any person is their face it's, or have something to do with their face. It's their hair, it's their nose, it's their eyes, it's their mouth. But we all know that that part, that recognizable part of a person's body makes up a very small percentage of actually who they are. They got legs, they got feet, they got arms, they got a whole body. All this to support the recognizable part of their face. Likewise, these upfront gifts, these, these speaking gifts are the most recognizable part of the ministry of the church. But there's so many gifts that hold that up. So many. These gifts up, like I said, number two, make up the majority of the church, just like the cement and the wood and the sheetrock make up the majority of this physical building. But it's not the thing that you see. But they, more than 95% of what you see here is actually, uh, of what's happening here, is actually uh, stuff that you can't, can't truly see. The paint, the carpet, the furnishings, actually a very small percentage. Speaking gifts make up a small percentage of the body of Christ, even though they're the point of the spear, they're the ultimate thing that we've been commissioned to do, but, but these, these uh, service gifts, these superstructure gifts are the ones that are holding everything up. The service gifts are the vast majority, but again, not readily seen. So what are some of these service gifts? We're not going to go over but a couple of them today because we, they really are, are going to open up some things that we need to discuss together about gifts because there's a ton of misunderstanding about some of these. And there's a lot of false teaching that's going on today and has been going on for a long time that we have to deal with. And so we're not going to go over a, a bunch of them today. We're just going to be hitting a couple of them because, again, again, they open up some things that we need to discuss. First of all, the gift of faith. We see it on there spoken of down in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 12. Here's a definition. Gift of faith is a support ministry or a support gift to the teaching speaking gifts. The gift of faith, by definition, is a God-given ability to see with extraordinary confidence the will and purpose of God for the future of his work and 
to act upon it. A person with the gift of faith has a special enabling to believe God for the things that he's going to do. Uh, which begs the question, and we'll, we'll, we'll take this sidetrack to begin with, doesn't every, every Christian have faith? Of course they do. You can't become a Christian without faith. You have to take a step of faith to trust Christ. You have to believe Christ to be your Savior. That requires faith. You can't see Jesus. So faith is the substance of things not seen, things that haven't happened yet. You're trusting Him for a future in a place where you've never been. That's faith. Every Christian certainly does have faith. Faith is a threshold that everybody has to cross to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Every Christian has faith, but some are gifted with an extra dose of faith. That's the gift of faith. Gifts are, if here's, here's a great way to understand it, gifts are an increased expression given by the Holy Spirit to do what every person in the body of Christ is expected to do. Every person has to have faith. We're not, because I don't have the gift of faith, so I'm exempt from having faith. No, of course not. The person with the gift of faith is the person who leads out in faith. They have an extra dose of it given to them by the Holy Spirit as he so chooses. We all uh, teach to some level. All of us. What is teaching? It's just simply explaining truth to someone else. That's all it is. We all teach to some level. We are all evangelists. Well, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't share my faith. No. We all serve. We all give. We all have faith. A gift is a special increased expression of one of those things. So we all have those things, but one of those things, we're going to have a special expression in our lives because the Holy Spirit chooses uh, to do that. So think of a gift as, and think of this gift, the gift of, of faith, as, as a gift of vision. Faith, of course, is seeing what is unseen or not yet, uh, or not yet to be. People with this uh, gift of faith or gift of vision uh, have been able to see things because God's given them the ability to see it. Uh, uh, Mo, uh, Noah had the gift of faith when he started building an ark 200 years before there was a flood. Uh, Moses' uh, mother had the gift of faith as she believed that, that uh, Moses was going to be something special. So, so she hid her child in the reeds of the Nile knowing that he was special and God's going to take care of him. And sure enough, uh, well, he is today, as we know him all to be. So, so these people have, have done these things that, with that gift of faith. Again, they aren't the only ones with faith, but they lead out in faith because of their gift, and that's, a, that's an excellent way to understand uh, gifts. That is a, a good way. Uh, they are leadership ability. So if I have a uh, gift of teaching, doesn't mean I'm the only teacher. It means I lead, though, a person with a gift of teaching teaches us how to teach, teaches us what to teach. We're all teachers. We have to be teachers. Uh, a person with a gift of wisdom, uh, a person with a gift of wisdom isn't the only person with wisdom, are they, in the congregation? Let's hope not, right? We're not exempt from being wise because I don't have the gift of wisdom, but a person with a gift of wisdom is a leader in that. They lead out in wisdom. They, they teach us how to act and how to think wisely. A person with a gift of faith, likewise isn't the only person with faith, but they are a leader to us in how to have faith. So understand what these gifts are. They're, they're a special enabling to do what we're all expected to do, but 
each one of us has a, an extra dose of one of these things for, for the ministry to, to lead out. So, so we, we all have faith, but sometimes we need somebody to stand up and say, I believe God for thus and such. So we can all get on board. We all have the ability to teach, but are, are required to teach. Some have a special enabling that says, this is what God is, is saying to us. And so, again, understand these gifts. So the next, next gift is a controversial one. It shouldn't, has no reason to be, but it has been, again, because we have so many uh, false teachers out there today. The gifts of healings. I say it that way because that's exactly the way uh, it's spoken up here three different times in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gifts of healings actually they don't require a lot of explanation. I mean, it's a special enabling of the Holy Spirit to serve as a channel through which God cures illness and restores health apart from natural means. We're not talking about a doctor. We're not talking about someone with an education that knows how to administer medication. I'm not sliding those things. I believe God uses those things and probably even gifts those things. But specifically, the gifts of healings are people through which God administers healings outright. No drugs. No therapy. No medication. In most cases, no time. Just instant. They were sick a minute ago, and they're not sick anymore. They were crippled a minute ago, and they're not crippled anymore. Again, it doesn't require a lot of explanation. It's the, it's the gift that says, as Peter and John did as they entered the temple to the man who was born uh, lame, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. That's the gifts of healings. And I'm saying, I'm saying it that way. It sounds like I'm uh, not pronouncing it correctly. But in fact, this is unique among the gifts because of the way that it is written or pronounced in the, in the Greek. It has a special syntax. I say that to say the three times that it's mentioned in 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, it's always spoken of in the double plural form, literally in the Greek. Gifts, plural, of healings, plural. So there's multiples of them. Gifts, not gift. Every other gift in here is referred to in the singular. Gift of, of prophecy, gift of teaching, gift of faith. But when it comes to healings, it says gifts, plural, gifts of healings. So they're set apart in the Greek syntax, and I think it's for a very important reason. I think this may indicate that each of the healings is a separate gift that is unique to that situation. Back to the story of Peter and John. Their ability to heal that man at the gate called Beautiful was a special gift that was imparted to them at that moment. It was a special gift for that situation because that person had a very particular need and that was a very particular gift given to them. It also may seem to indicate that these, gift, this, these gifts of healings are not permanent, but they come and go as needed as God so wills. Again, it's the syntax that sends us down this road. It's also not just the syntax but also the way we see these gifts of healings demonstrated in the New Testament, which is our guide. We can't come up with our idea of how these things work. We have to go by what the Scriptures say, and we do not go outside the Scriptures to find any information. Well, tell me how you feel about this. We don't care how you feel. We're not interested in your feelings. Frankly, we're not interested in your experiences. We want to see what the Scriptures 
have to say, because those things can be messed with. The truth cannot. So let the truth speak, and let the truth guide us. So it seems uh, uh, these, the issue of this gift coming and going, and that they are unique to the given situation, that particular healing or whatever, where we find it in the Bible or, or circumstance that God has for us, it seems to abide also with how the healing, it, healings are administered throughout the church's ministry in the New Testament. Paul, of course, healed people. That was not his ministry. Paul was a teacher. How do we know that? Read the New Testament. We're reading one of his books right now. A gifted teacher. That's gifts of teach, the gift of teaching does that. Write, speak, just so clear, so precise, so helpful. Everywhere he went, he was teaching about Jesus, leading people to Christ, uh, helping them understand what the Scriptures had already said and how to apply that to their lives. Gift of teaching. Paul was a powerful teacher. He occasionally was enabled to heal. He was enabled to do those things, but he didn't always. Look at this. So Paul, people say, well, Paul had a healing ministry, and I would just say baloney. He did not. Watch. Second uh, Timothy 4.20. Well, I shouldn't say that. He occasionally was unable to do that. There's no such thing as a healing ministry in the New Testament. There's no such thing. Notice here, but back to Paul. So sometimes he was unable to heal, sometimes not. Erastus, he's speaking of here at the end of Timothy, giving just final instructions to Timothy and farewell words. Second Timothy, Erastus remained at Corinth. He's telling what happened to this guy, and then he tells us what happened to the next guy, and he says, and I left Trophimus sick at my lettuce. So, so if Paul could heal, why couldn't he there? Because again, it seems to indicate that these gifts come and go, the gifts of healings. They're specific for a specific situation, and they're not always there. They don't, every time Paul prays for someone to be healed, they don't always get healed. He had to leave Trophimus behind to continue in the gospel ministry and the teaching ministry that God had given to him. So this is important. It's also important to realize Jesus didn't heal every time. Did you know that? Here he is in his own town because of their lack of faith. Notice, and they did not, he did not do many miracles there because of their, un, there were plenty of sick people there, plenty in need there, but he, just simply because of their unbelief, he couldn't do it. He didn't always heal. Paul didn't always heal. Uh, God does not, as opposed to a lot of false teachers today, heal every person in every situation. How do we know that? Because, well, for crying out loud, the apostles aren't with us today. They had to die somehow, right? Why didn't God heal them? Because he doesn't always heal. He doesn't. On the other hand, for you who say, well, the gift of healing doesn't exist anymore, baloney. God can heal anybody he wants to. God can enable his disciples to heal anytime he so chooses. Do not limit God. Uh, we we, we want to pull God in one way or the other. The fact is, though, on the other hand, there is no Bible, nowhere in the Bible nor anywhere else is there healing ministries. You hear a lot of that today. Oh, so-and-so has a healing ministry. Well, so-and-so is outside the Scriptures. There's no such thing as a healing ministry in the New Testament. Jesus didn't have a healing ministry. Jesus had a gospel ministry. Jesus had a preaching the kingdom ministry in which he healed. He certainly did. But his purpose of going to town wasn't to heal people. So, so let me ask you this. So if a person has a healing ministry, here's a question I have for them. So, so they heal them. 
but they die and go to hell eventually because he's not there to heal them again, right? So what good has he done for them? The church, listen to me, does not have a healing ministry. The church has a gospel ministry. Again, how do we know that? Because the scriptures uh, teach these things. Again, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples, not heal people. Now, nothing wrong with healing people. Nothing wrong with God enabling us to heal as he so wills so that it supports the making of disciples. Again, this is a structure gift. It's, it's for the purpose of supporting what, what God has ultimately called us to do, which is to make disciples, baptizing the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. In, in as much as, as it supports that, then it's a part of the gospel ministry, but there's no such thing as a healing ministry. No such thing. Those who say they have a healing ministry, I, I would say you need to be careful of those people. They are operating outside of the instructions and the demonstration of what we have in the New Testament. Be very careful. We're not commissioned to heal. We're not commissioned to work miracles. Again, look at the Great Commission, Matthew 28. What does it say? Make disciples, baptize, teach. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. We are not commissioned to heal. We're not commissioned to work miracles. We're not commissioned to speak in tongues. We're not commissioned to... Have a faith ministry, a prophetic ministry, as so many false teachers would otherwise have us think and they teach to us. It's false teaching. It's false. Now, I will say that to say this. As healings and miracles and tongues and prophecy and faith, etc., are useful to the end of a gospel ministry, they are employed and gifted as the Holy Spirit so chooses. They exist as support, not as an upfront ministry. Think of it this way. Nowhere in the Bible does anyone, including Jesus, have a healing ministry or a miracles-working ministry. No one. God's people in the Bible had gospel ministries where healings and miracles were incidental. As opposed to a lot of these yahoos out here who are teaching false stuff and demonstrating and living false stuff who have supposedly, I don't think they have healing ministries. I think they're fakes, 100% of them. I, I just do. The longer I live, the more I, the more I believe these guys are lying to us. They really are. Operating outside the New Testament. Operating on feelings and emotions. Operating on, if, here's a question. If you have a healing ministry, why do you have to wait till the television and the lights are on to heal? Tell me. You got a healing ministry? Go and run everybody out of the hospital, please. Out of the VA. They've got a, tons of... Injured people there. Go fix them. Don't wait for the television to be on. See, something's rotten in Denmark. I smell a rat. And I think you're it. If you think you have a, you say you have a healing ministry. Don't trust you at all. God's people in the Bible had gospel ministries where healings and miracles were incidental. Not healing and miracles ministries where the gospel was incidental or non-existent at all. In a lot of cases, these false teachers we see on television and otherwise. See, it, it's, it's because the New Testament church in Corinth was mishandling these gifts. That is the, the situation in which Paul writes this. You bunch of dummies down there, if you will, I, my own phraseology, in Corinth 
who've gotten swayed by this false teaching and a wild by a few healings and some speaking in tongues have forgotten what we're really about here. Yeah, there are gifts. Yeah, they, they have their purpose and God gives them as he so wills. But let's have, keep our focus and not miss it. And so Paul's going to spend a better part of two chapters uh, talking them down from their mistaken ideas. So we need to learn not to make their mistakes. So thanks for your time. We're going to continue. We're going to jump into the next one here, next several here, the uh, next time we come together. Because, but because these, these, these big issues have to be discussed first, uh, we're, we're not covering a lot of ground as far as the, just talking about what the gifts are. So let's pray together, and uh, may God bless this uh, teaching in our hearts and minds. God, I thank you that you give us your word. Help us to think biblically, God. Help us, God, to, to be uh, responsible, uh, to read our own Bibles, to study them. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit comes to each one of us, that he's the ultimate teacher. He's the giver of gifts. He's the one that enables us to, to perform these gifts, enables us to come together in unity uh, so, so that we can do what we commissioned to do, which is make disciples and teach them to observe everything that you commanded us. God, I pray that we would do that in every way, not separated because we think we're special, not separated because we have false ideas, not separated because we don't do our homework and study your scriptures. Thank you for the unity that you're going to bring to us uh, because we are unified in the head of the body, who is Christ. Uh, we lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.